The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates. I work with leaders and their organizations, identifying the trends that most likely disrupt their business and develop business strategies and business leadership practices to leverage those trends to create strategic advantage. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on helping leaders innovate how they lead and transform their organizations. I'm also an adjunct faculty member with universities in the U.S. and Germany. I'm delighted today on our show is Dean Rustin Moore, Dean Byrne Melnick, and Dr. Jennifer Brandt. Let's start with Rustin. He's the Dean and the Ruth Stratton Chair of Veterinary Medicine in the Ohio State College of Veterinary Medicine. The College of Veterinary Medicine is ranked fifth in the nation, and its vision is to create a healthy and sustainable world for animals and people. The Veterinary College Medical Center is one of the largest and most comprehensive animal hospitals in the world, providing emergency and advanced specialty care for client-owned animals. And that was also where my little dog received excellent treatment. Um, Dr. Jen Brandt is leading the effort to provide veterinary professionals with the communication, interpersonal, and teamwork skills essential to quality veterinary care, veterinary career success, and life satisfaction. Her professional coaching, consultation, and interpersonal skills training offer applied learning opportunities to increase self-awareness, improve wellness and resilience, resolve conflict, and enhance veterinary team communication. Dr. Byrne Melnick is the VP of Health Promotion, University Chief Wellness Officer, Professor, and Dean of the College of Nursing at The Ohio State University, and Professor of Pediatrics and Psychiatry at OSU's College of Medicine. She's a nationally and internationally recognized expert in evidence-based practice, intervention research, child and adolescent mental health, and health and wellness and is a frequent keynote speaker at national, international conferences on these topics. So the goal of this show is to help leaders continue to innovate or update how they lead. Because we're in a world that is incredibly fast-paced and the pace of change is accelerating, we're not going to go back to the point where we could slow down, regroup, So as leaders, we really need to accelerate our own pace. And in this show, we're talking about health and wellness. And the question has been in my mind, how do we help brilliant leaders keep pace personally, not just with the trends and professionally, but when I go home on Friday nights, I pretty much have a don't go out rule because I collapse. 
I'd like to not collapse on a Friday night. (laughs) And much of my weekend is spent recovering from intense weeks and preparing for the next week. And so I imagine that most of our listeners have similar paces or worse than mine. And they're often getting sick. Right now we have a flu going around. And I wonder how many people would be able to resist this if we managed our health on a daily basis. So my expectation for today is that people walk away with some ideas. So the outcome of the session, specifically the topic, is to explore the impact of mental health concerns in the general workplace, in veterinarians, and in vet students. Mental health costs are on the rise, and we see statistics as high as 40% of the population will be personally impacted by mental health issues at some point in their lives. This isn't somebody else around me gets a mental health issue. This means 40% probability that I will have a mental health issue. So I hope that this program, one, helps remove the stigma. It's not those people, the ones on the street corners yelling at me. It is my friends and family. It's my colleagues who are impacted And given the research and the interventions now available, there were so many opportunities to treat, to prescribe in some cases, and to go on and be healthy and happy and and high-functioning. This isn't a sentence to bad stuff. It's an invitation to attend to whatever the issues are as aggressively as I would attend to a broken leg and move on. And for those of us who are working with or have family members, it's also an expectation for support, compassionate support. So let's jump in and start with the question of mental health. I gave the statistic of 40%. Byrne, can you tell us more about that? Sure. Mental health problems are now an epidemic in our country. Most of the recent statistics will say one out of four children, adolescents, and adults will experience a mental health issue like depression and anxiety at some time throughout their life. But what's even sadder is less than 25% of those people affected get any treatment. And if they get treatment, it often is not evidence-based treatment. For example, depression. We know cognitive behavior therapy is the first gold standard treatment for mild to moderate depression or anxiety, yet so few people get it. They get medication. And I'm not saying medication is not indicated for some, but gold standard treatment, again, is CBT. But we have so few mental health providers throughout the country that access to timely Mm. mental health treatment is a big problem. So let me frame this again. If I am a leader of an organization and I've got an employee who's appearing to have some issues with depression, if I am a leader and I myself am starting to struggle and not even sure if I'm having issues, I should expect that cognitive behavior therapy, either instead of or in addition to medication, this isn't take a pill and fix it. It's an indication that there might be something in my life that changing my thinking 
would help. So can you explain a little bit further, what would that look like? I'm an employee, we work in a tough guy organization, we don't talk about this stuff, and I'm starting to feel like I'm struggling. What do I do? How would I get to someone? And how would I even know what cognitive behavior therapy is? Excellent questions. For one, most organizations have an employee assistance program. Mm -hmm. So the first piece is coming to terms with, I might be depressed. And I want to emphasize, a big red flag is, is your mood interfering with your functioning? That's a big red flag. It is interfering with your capacity to make judgments, to think, to perform. If it is, you really need to seek help. People also don't even know to ask for cognitive behavior therapy. People don't realize what that is. And that is a method of psychotherapy where you teach people that how they think directly relates to how they feel and how they behave. But just like physical habits we've developed over time, thinking habits we've developed over time as well. So a lot of people don't even realize Mm -hmm. they've gotten into a negative pattern of thinking. And it takes practice to monitor your thinking, to turn your negative thoughts around to positive thoughts so you feel better and engage in healthy behaviors. So to build on that, we've done a three-part interview series with Gary Weber, who is a brain researcher and, and goes into great depth on, just for our listeners, if you think you want to practice this and you're not ready yet to go see a therapist, this can give you a lot of information. He, he talks about how our brains function, how we can change our thinking. But to your point, it's, it's, pra- it's daily practice. It, just like I get up in the morning and I drink water, I exercise, I have a gratitude practice. I think most of us could benefit from some kind of management of how we think. And it's, it's, again, not an issue of we're broken. It's anyone who doesn't go to the gym could benefit some, from some exercise. And this is exercising our brain. And then for some people, there are issues of depression and others. But all of us benefit from these practices. Everybody, every child in America should learn cognitive behavior skills. Because if we do it preventatively, Uh we won't see as many serious chronic issues Uh with mental health as we do in adults, because most mental health issues develop by the time you're 21 or 24 years of age. So if we could equip our children, our adolescents, our college students with cognitive behavioral coping skills, Mm -hmm. we would see a lot less problems later in life. And I'm assuming many of us are also maybe not fully depressed, but we have struggles. I went through putting my mom in assisted living last year when she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. It's just a tough time. 
it was foundational for me to exercise strong resilience practices because like many people who go through this, she wasn't excited about this transition. So it, I was all kinds of terrible things to her and she's important in my life. Having a, a strong practice and support was absolutely critical at that point. So I wanna move now to Rustin and Jen and we're going to talk about veterinary students and veterinarians. And I realize many of our listeners aren't veterinarians. Don't tune out. <laughs> These practices apply not only, they're going to talk about the, the audience that they work with, their populations, but most of us have similar issues, even if we're in different jobs. So Rustin and Jen, you talk about the veterinary data and mental health within for students and for veterinarians in practice. So what can you tell us about the rates and prevalence of mental health issues in the veterinary field? Um, what we know from much of the research that's out there is that at least a third to, to even up to 70% of veterinary students may experience depression or anxiety or significant mental health issues while they're enrolled in school. And we know that the first five years out in practice, providers are also more at risk with depression, anxiety, or other mental health issues. Wow, up to 70%. Up to 70%. Do you know if that's also true of college students across the board, or is it exclusive to veterinary students? Based on the research that we have, the rates of depression and anxiety that veterinary students report is higher than that of the general population and higher than that of undergraduate students and even higher than that of other medical students. Why? Are you guys harder? You know, there are theories, so okay. we don't have pure cause and effect. And some of the theories would would be uh, applicable to medical students as well. High rates of perfectionism. Also in the veterinary profession, though, there's a sense of isolation, you know, not mm. necessarily working in large practices. Um, there's some conversations as how does the role of euthanasia play oh, in. Oh, that, that makes um, In some studies, they actually show that euthanasia has a protective effect against suicide because you experience loss with the family, maybe on a daily mm. basis. It also, though, might alter your perceptions about what is suffering. Um, for many veterinarians, they would say the it's not the worst thing to die. They might have more issues with the, the concept of suffering mm -hmm. in general. And so, so those are some of the theories that have been talked about in relationship to the higher rates of suicide. Rustin, what input do you have on this? You've been quiet. Well, uh, <clears throat> certainly uh, Dr. Brandt and Dean Melnick are, are more the experts, but certainly as dean of the College of Veterinary Medicine, uh, I feel it is my responsibility to make sure we're doing everything possible, knowing those statistics that Dr. Brandt mentioned, to help protect our students. And that's starting very early when they come in during orientation. We have an orientation and onboarding that we focus on health and wellness, and it's not just mental health, it's total health and wellness. Mm -hmm. uh, we encourage them them and their families. So during this, we, have, we meet with the families as well as the students. It's really important that the families know what their students or their family members are gonna experience. They're not gonna be mm. able to come home every weekend or come home even on holidays, so they need to not put extra pressure on them during that time. Uh, but they need to, the students need to know that even though they're gonna to have to study a lot, they need to get appropriate amounts of sleep. They need to exercise, whatever form of exercise they, mm -hmm. they, they like. Certainly they need to eat healthy and they need to manage those stresses in ways. And uh, as Dr. Melnick, uh, I think mentioned earlier, we, we do have data on them as they're coming in and we actually offer wellness coaching to them. So it's all voluntary, but if 
on their orientation, they're willing to enroll in this, they can actually take this sort of assessment and based upon their level of susceptibility, uh, mm. they can actually have wellness coaching uh, that's made available to them uh, free. Also, we have two on-site full-time counselors that are available in the College of Veterinary Medicine because it's, it's really important to have it accessible and not something that's far away. Mm-hmm. And most recently, we also employ a part-time or have part of an FTE of a psychiatrist at the College of Medicine who spends uh, about one day a week with us so that our students can get pretty much, I won't say immediate, but very timely uh, scheduling and appointments mm-hmm. with, with the psychiatrist. Thank you for sharing that. And and I know you and I have spoken, and one of the things I really appreciate, spoken to students, and one of the things I really appreciate is that you do share your health practice and are very open with that you have a coach, that you get support, and that wellness is foundational to your success, and that not only do you talk about it and have support available to them, but you model that behavior and to take away any stigma that might be that you people need help, but I'm cool. <laughs> and so that level of transparency is a beautiful example for what you would expect them to take care of as well. I've made a, a real point to focus on that and to be much more approachable and engaged with our students. All the deans that I've been part of during veterinary school, internship, residency, faculty, et cetera, I never witnessed that or observed it, Mm. and I felt it was really important. And students do notice it, and I try to uh, be a role model for them in in terms of wellness. And having spent time at the vet college, it shows. It shows that students pop into your office, that you have other people on staff, uh, one with purple hair. That, <laughs> And I realize that's that was for a fundraising event, but that faculty would even consider that as an option, says that this college is different. Well, the, the person with purple hair also has turquoise hair, and those <laughs> are the colors for suicide awareness and prevention. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's really cool. So with that, we're going to go on break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Today, our guests are Dr. Jen Brandt, Dr. Bern Melnick, and Dr. Rustin Moore. And we're talking about wellness. So during break, Jen was sharing that she is the therapist. And so why don't you share a little bit about that conversation? Yes, just talking about how Rustin models, you know, he'll stand up in front of a classroom and acknowledge he has a coach or acknowledge life isn't always perfect or acknowledge that in order to do what he does at the high level that he does, he has to exercise. He has to watch what he's eating. It doesn't just ha- wellness doesn't just happen. It's an it's an effort, and through that, there's really been a ripple effect through the student body because they'll even come in and say that they heard Rustin talk, and many of them want to be like Rustin. And so, if he has a wellness plan, they would like a wellness mm-hmm. plan in place. And so, um, in addition to what Byrne was talking about in terms of cognitive behavioral therapy. We really focus a lot on the foundation of wellness. Tell me about what you're eating. Mm-hmm. Many students will say everything that they order is all fast food. They just have an app on their phone and it all comes in. And some say they have not been to a grocery store since school started. And so I look at really tiny baby steps. What's the smallest unit mm-hmm. of a step we can take in a very busy curriculum that starts to produce a better outcome? And so we emphasize a lot of nutrition and mindfulness practice and mm-hmm. basic movement, whether that's called exercise or not, just some basic movement patterns throughout the day. So the step app on my phone, something like that. Yes. So count your steps, compare your steps with your roommates. Yeah, everybody has a, you know, different personality traits. So there are some who are very competitive. Mm -hmm. And so having that app and being able to compare their steps to others would be very fulfilling. Others are achievement oriented. So they just want to know that they're getting 10,000 steps in during the day. Mm -hmm. But that can be kind of a cue when everything feels very busy and overwhelming. That can be just that one step in or check in cue. How am Mm -hmm. I treating myself? today. Thank you. So, Byrne, also during break, you were talking about as leaders, we need to take care of ourselves. We can't function effectively leading organizations if we're not fully healthy and present. And you were also giving an example of some evidence-based approaches to that. And I want to emphasize how important it is for us as consumers of wellness tools and applications to use evidence-based proven methods, not trends. Exactly. Fads. So I have a philosophy in God we trust, but by golly, everybody else better bring data to the table. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we need to practice based on best evidence. There have been population health studies conducted on a million people. And I like to give an evidence-based recipe for how to decrease your odds of heart disease, diabetes, depression, back pain, and stress. And it's with these four evidence-based behaviors. One, physical activity. 30 minutes a day, five days a week. Now, a lot of leaders say, oh, I don't have time to go to a gym and exercise 30 minutes, five days a week. 
It doesn't have to be at the gym. It could be six, five-minute recovery breaks is what I call them during the day, where you get up, you do jumping jacks for five minutes, you walk around your office setting. Mm -hmm. Sitting is the biggest zapper of energy. So if we can stand more, sit less, you will be amazed at how much more energy you have throughout the day. Population studies also show when we sit three or more hours a day, we increase our risk for heart disease by 30%. So is that three or more hours consecutively or three or more hours period period three or more hours a day oops (laughs) if we sit five or more hours a day that's comparable on your body to smoking one and a quarter packs of cigarettes a day over time so we sit for 10 hours a day (laughs) we need to have standing meetings I get folks standing desks throughout the university, so we need to beware of the chair, is what I say. Maybe we should actually stand for the rest of this interview. I think we should. I was just going to suggest that, Rustin. Absolutely. Um, So number two, healthy eating. Five fruits and vegetables a day. 80% healthy foods, 20% want foods. Because if we deny ourselves of everything we love, we're going to crave it more. Mm. Number three, don't smoke. And everybody gets happy when I share the fourth. Chocolate? No, alcohol. (laughs) If you drink alcohol, the Centers for Disease Control say one drink a day if you're a woman, two a day if you're a man. And everybody asks me, Burn, how big can that drink be? (laughs) And I say a standard serving. So five ounces of wine, a beer, or one and a half ounces of alcohol. That's the Hmm. formula. I just shouldn't put it in my coffee in the morning, (laughs) (laughs) depending on what meetings I'm having. So let me repeat those then. Beware of the chair. Get up, move. My 10,000 steps. But if I don't have time for the gym, walking, and I do walking meetings. Yes. We're meeting at WCBE. I work with the general manager here, and we'll often walk five to ten miles. They're long meetings. We walk for two hours in our meetings, and it doesn't matter, cold, whatever. So it, it also changes my wardrobe choices. So it means I have to actually think about who I'm meeting with and what we're doing and walking rain or shine. So exercise. What was Healthy eating. Five 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 fruits and veggies a day. That doesn't mean a glass of V8 juice in the morning. That only counts as one, right? Right. Okay. Correct. (laughs) Alcohol. I remember that one. And no smoking. Don't smoke. Okay. Yes. And remember, one out of two people in America have a chronic disease, and 80% of chronic disease is totally preventable. 
with those behaviors that I mentioned. Simple, not easy. Most people don't change behavior until crisis happens. You lose your health. You lose a sibling who didn't Mm -hmm. exercise, take their medication. Then you figure, I'll do something about it. Behavior changes character building. It really is. And it takes practice. But we've got to be kind to ourselves. Jen said something really important. Don't set goals that are so high that you Mm -hmm. fall off the wagon. Most people wait till January 1 to set a new (laughs) health goal. And then 90% fall off the wagon by January 30th. Exactly. (laughs) So today... I'm asking people listening today to make a decision and commitment for one of those healthy lifestyle behaviors. Mm -hmm. Put it, write it down, put it in front of where you brush your teeth every morning Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and commit and do it. You know, one of the one of the things when I'm coaching and it, it, it is also my mantra with myself is good enough. Right. So 30 minutes a day may be running to and from the car between meetings and the grocery store. I actually do go to a grocery store. But, but whatever errands I'm running, I, I'm militant about the steps. But some days, if it's not 1130 at night, I'm not getting them. So I probably looks crazy. I am the dog walker or the woman walking at usually starting at 1130 at night to get my steps by the end of the day. So, so that may be its own version of oddness you can <laughs> we can talk yeah, help me later but but there is the good enough bucket right that i'm not going to get it perfect we're all trying to meet crazy deadlines most of us have way more to do than we should be able to get done in a day or a week or a month and goes in cycles but if i'm not caring for myself i can't do the work i'm here to do so I, I want to say a little bit more about that. I work with uh, grad students also, people mid-career, and the module we're working on now is this idea of they've set their goals, and one of the biggest issues is I don't put myself first. Our society says that's selfish, and there's a lot to get done. And my identity is wrapped up in being a good professional, being a good spouse, being a good parent. And that means if I do all those things, quote, well, there's no time left. Instead of flipping that equation and saying, if I am exhausted, if I haven't eaten anything that didn't come out of a fast food container, if I'm drinking too much or smoking, or for me, it's too much caffeine, I'm not going to be a good parent. I'm not going to be a good colleague or partner or boss because I'm snappy and I'm tired and I'm not thinking as well. So I'm also not as productive. So the idea of flipping this seems absolutely foundational. It absolutely is. I think I would. it would be remiss if I didn't mention another part of where I think can increase health and wellness, mental, physical, and, mm-hmm. and others, and that's uh, the power of a pet. And I think for those who have pets, you probably understand the sort of the, the, the impact they have on you, mostly reduction in stress, anxiety. There's a lot of research and science behind that. Uh, even if you don't have a dog that you're walking, which if you were, you would certainly get your steps in, and you're probably more likely to walk the dog than you are to go walk yourself. So having that uh, sort of 
would make it be more compliant for you to, to do it. But I even think, you know, having a cat or any, any sort of a pet that you're interacting with, there's proven evidence that it'll decrease stress and anxiety, blood pressure, and things that would be very helpful. So 70% of Americans have a pet or at least one. So the other 30% that are listening, uh, I would encourage you to either get a pet or go walk a dog at a dog shelter or go visit a family member or a friend that has a pet. And I believe that will make a difference. I think walking around campus, don't you do fundraisers by charging people to pet pets? Wasn't there a fundraiser for that? There were a bunch of dogs in the lobby at the student union at one point. Those are uh, probably there around exam time. Uh, we have ah. them, uh, actually, we also have them come into our college around exam time, but also we have Wellness Wednesdays where we have a therapy dog that uh, comes in and is there for people to interact with. And that, again, there's evidence that shows that that uh, has a positive benefit on their m- emotional and mental health and stress and anxiety. So if I can't have a pet because I travel all the time, the fact that I walk sometimes not at midnight, and people are out with their pets, and I stop and pet all of them. So this is helpful for me. Absolutely, yeah. So you've also talked about, I think, PTSD and how pets impact people who are under significant stress. Can you say a little bit about that? Sure. Well, probably the population at most risk for PTSD are veterans. And so there, there is a study that's been done and shown that veterans that are paired with a, a service dog have a lower incidence of psychiatric symptoms of PTSD and less severe symptoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have less substance abuse and they require fewer drugs or lower dosages of drugs for their PTSD hmm. than veterans who return and are not paired with a service dog. Uh, and that's just one example. So that would be true of crime victims or other people as well, or students going toward exams, that the time we invest in caring for our pet is an accelerator for our productivity in other areas. And I would even go, it's not even just caring for the pet. I think simply being around the pet has those, uh, those impacts or those effects. So I can just come hang out in the vet med lobby and pet pets? Certainly. Yeah, that'd be a good fundraiser for us to let you do that. (laughs) (laughs) Charge me to walk in the lobby. (laughs) So on that note, we're going to get a break. We'll be right back with Rustin, Jen, and Vern. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Today we're talking about physical and mental well-being, and as leaders, how important it is for us to pay attention to and make as a priority our own health. So let's talk about the health athlete. What is that? This is a two-day program. It's an energy management program that we offer at The Ohio State University. It was actually launched by Johnson & Johnson Corporation's Human Performance Institute out of Orlando, Florida. So it is a managing your energy course. Energy is multidimensional. It's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. Spiritual meaning following your life's passion Mm -hmm. and staying aligned with it. A lot of times leaders multitask or they, they always say, I wish I had more time in the course of my day. I can't tell you how many time management books I read before going to this course. And then I realized I don't need more time. What I need is more energy. So this two-day course is all about managing your energy, tips for that, tips on nutrition, physical activity. But what's so powerful about the course, you face your true story and you rewrite a new one. And that's an emotionally moving experience. So you get motivated and committed to get more energy, to get healthier, to engage in the healthier practices. So we run this course about 24 times a year at Ohio State for leaders, faculty, staff, and even students we've put through the program. So if I'm not at Ohio State, how would I find a program like this? You'd have to go to Johnson & Johnson's Wellness Corporation, the Human Performance Institute in Orlando. We do, though, open it up to leaders in our community. Oh, really? Yes, Yes, we've had several come. In fact, we did one of these two-day courses in New Albany recently where a lot of civic and community leaders came. Okay. 
So so let's switch gears a little bit. And I heard no multitasking. And we have an interview that's also very helpful with another OSU person, Mariana Klatt, who talks about mindfulness and mindfulness-based stress reduction and the idea that we don't really multitask. It's just rapid task switching. So I'm... I'm think I'm doing multiple things at a time and really it's like many apps running on my phone at the same time it drains my energy so so where we pride ourselves in this what we think is multitasking we're actually depleting energy and we would be wiser to manage it differently yeah our two most wasted emotions are worry about what's gonna happen or guilt about the past. Mm -hmm. So when we stay mindful in the present moment, we lessen those two negative emotions. But again, it's a habit. You've got to practice it. Yeah, and there's, I I can speak for myself, I worry all the time about just am I going to get there on time? And then am I going to perform to the level that I'd like to or... Yeah, and I, I assume that for most people, those are standard concerns. So let's shift gears. I'm a leader in an organization or I'm a friend of somebody or a neighbor and I want they seem like they're just a little bit off, not doing so well. And yet I don't want to go up to somebody and say, I think you're depressed, you need a therapist. So how do you do that? And there are legalities as well, right? I as a boss I can't go up to someone and tell them they need to go to therapy, I think. So how do I know and how do I get help? <laughs> I think what you just said, if you just notice a difference, right? Mm-hmm. So we we don't know what that difference is, mm-hmm. but to say, I've observed you seem more tired, or you've acknowledged you seem more tired, or you feel like you're dropping the ball on things. So, uh, and then I think just asking about that, I've noticed a change. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, what I'll often get in my environment is I don't, you know, if it's somebody who doesn't want to acknowledge there's a problem, you have to be careful of just saying, are you okay? Or is everything fine? Because you're going to get, yes, I'm fine. But tell me more about that. I've noticed you seem really tired. Mm-hmm. And so be curious. And the nice thing is, as the listener, you don't have to fix it. You simply have to listen and be aware of it. And then maybe suggest mm-hmm. to somebody, have you thought about getting an outside resource? Mm-hmm. And that could be a coach. That could be a physical trainer. That could be a nutritionist. It could be mm-hmm. a doctor. It could be a therapist. So it could be a range of resources. It may be just connecting the person back to their social system. You know, who's your mm. so, who are your social supports? Who are your friends? How much time are you spending with those friends? Because often when I hear people get getting fatigued and depressed, they're isolating. So they have a mm. support network. They simply aren't tapping into it and may not feel like they have the energy to do that. Or what I'll hear from many folks that I work with is I don't want to be a bother. So mm-hmm. I'm dealing with folks who are very high achieving. They are the golden children, as I say, mm-hmm. in their family. Mm-hmm. So they are not the ones accustomed to saying, I'm the one that needs help. And so if I'm isolating, at least I can go home and play with my dog. Yes. <laughs> this is where yeah. the pet comes. And honestly, I mean, we joke about this, but it's if I can't tell anybody else I'm having a problem, I can go curl up with my puppy. Yes. And, and you can journal. Okay. You could write out the problem. Or I've had encouraged people to go ahead and have a dialogue in your car when nobody can hear it. You're mm-hmm. saying it, though, mm-hmm. and it's getting it out of the noise of your brain. Because mm-hmm. uh, sometimes even when you say a thought out loud, you look at it a little differently. It mm-hmm. may not seem quite as weighty once it comes out, or you may even be able to question its accuracy. Mm-hmm. If I have somebody who says I'm the dumbest person ever, and that's mm-hmm. the belief that they carry, then when they say that out loud, I'll say, like, is there scientific data to support that truly on all of the planet yeah. there's 
never been anybody who achieved <laughs> less. And so I'll often get people who can then laugh at that and say, mm-hmm. well, that's probably not accurate. Yeah, this is also for me where physical exercise comes in. I remember a particularly difficult time and I got my chainsaw out and chopped up a whole bunch of wood. It's really productive. <laughs> Watch out for women with chainsaws. Excellent, yeah. Angry women with chainsaws. I'll have students who may um, be experiencing panic attacks. And so um, I'll just say with the equipment that you have right there in your room, can you do a wall sit? And just think Mm. about, can you do that for 30 seconds and then over time build that up? Or can you do a plank on the floor? Or like Byrne mentioned, can you do jumping jacks? So something to shift the energy Mm -hmm. state from feeling depressed into something Mm -hmm. that might be channeling the energy in a way that's more helpful. And so if I decide I need more, the chainsaw and the puppy don't quite do it. Right. Um, how would I know what I need? Again, I'd, if I'm struggling, I'm probably not thinking as clearly. I'm probably embarrassed in some cases. I've never had trouble before. Mm-hmm. And now I and I'm tired and exhausted and can't keep up. And I, I know for me, it's when I start dropping the ball. I've come to an interview and I forgot to schedule it. Or I've had people show up for an interview and I got my calendar wrong. So for me, the sign is I'm, I'm not in the place I need to be. Mm-hmm. And it's embarrassing. So if, if I've hit that point, other than getting some sleep, say I need more help. What would I do? Yeah, I often, again, it's really like coaching. I, I liken it to sports that most athletes I know don't think, well, I'm just going to practice on my own and I'm never going to hang out with my team and I don't need any coaching. We recognize that almost every other domain of our life that having some help from a neutral third person is mm-hmm. can be very beneficial. So there's no difference to that in the mental health or emotional health realm. For some folks, it's just raising awareness. So it might be attending something like health athlete training just mm-hmm. to you know, kind of a reality check. I got one when I went through the training because it was clear to me that what I said I valued, I said I valued my family, my friends, my community. Mm -hmm. What showed I valued was work only. And I do value work. It's just I value other things too, (laughs) but work Mm -hmm. was always Mm -hmm. getting my priority. So one way to do that, one resource might even be the National Institute for Mental Health. They have, you can log on, you can get a lot of information Mm -hmm. about anxiety or depression, you can take inventories online that, you know, you yourself can self-score and take a look at. Mm -hmm. And then that would be information to take forward. And potentially, if you have insurance, you can go through your insurance and find out Mm -hmm. who mental health providers are, if you have an EAP program. The good news is you don't know you you don't have to know what the plan is. You simply have to say, "I think I might need some help," and then that neutral mm-hmm. third person can listen to that and figure out what might be the best resources. And so I, I was as we're as you're talking, I was thinking, do I share a personal story? I have seen a therapist, and we all most of us have had events that happen in our childhood. And we interpret through the eyes of a child. So something that seemed terrible to me at six. Now as an adult, I look back and I'm like, oh, how do you think that? Like my parents abusive. Well, my brother caught his bed lamp on fire. My dad threw him down the hall to get him out of the burning bed. At that point, I thought my dad was beating my brother. You know, through the eyes of a little kid, this seems terrible. Now I'm living in a violent household. Right. And I'm reacting as if I have someone beating me Mm -hmm. because, again, how the brain functions and how it over prioritizes to keep me safe. Now I have a a whole nother thing happening in my head 
and I carry that forward, men are dangerous. So unprogramming that little event that was appropriate, right? Burning bed, child in bed, remove child. He could have done it a little more gently probably, but he was worried about catching the house on fire and the family dead. So I needed to process that. I didn't know I needed to process it. You know, there's this whole bucket of things that have happened over the course of my life that I interpreted through the eyes of a person at that age, whatever that age was, and I needed to basically grow them up, relook at each of them through the eyes of an adult, and now those fears and traumas and things just aren't there. But for a long time, they were. I'll share with folks that in some situations, the coping mechanism that was developed at age three or six was very appropriate for the family. So let's say somebody may have come from an abusive home and they learned to be quiet. Mm-hmm. They learned to be invisible and not mm-hmm. speak their truth because harm would come. Well, that was a great coping skill to have at six. Is it optimal at age 26? No. So some of it is not judging the old coping mechanism. I encourage people to say, let's thank it. Let's thank you for getting... Keeping me alive. It kept you alive and it got you here. Now we want to learn one a coping skill that's far more adaptive and will help you thrive at this stage in your life, which will mm-hmm. include speaking up mm-hmm. um, and then learning how to do that in ways that are that are helpful. One, and yes. one topic I think would be uh, good to cover before the, the end of the show is sort of the, the far end of the spectrum of mental health, and that's suicidal ideation and completion. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and maybe uh, Dr. Brandt could share some of the statistics, uh, at least in the veterinary field, and, and talk about how we can, uh, what we can do to help prevent that. Yes. So um, in suicide, again, in the research that's been done, we have veterinary students who have higher rates of suicidal ideation than medical students, undergrads, general mm-hmm. population. Same is true in the population as a whole. And that's part of that is just I think we're increasing awareness in the profession, so it's much more talked about. We have an annual health and wellness summit where we address the topic of suicide, having people get comfortable asking, tell me how you're doing. Mm -hmm. There's obviously um, a national suicide prevention line that I can give. It's 1-800-273-8255. So you don't need to be the expert on it. It's simply a matter of, of getting somebody to help. Thank you for bringing that up, Rustin, because I think many of us have been touched by suicide, not just attempts, but successful completions. And it's heartbreaking. And the questioning of what could I have done? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't do any good after. So we're going to come to a close. The main focus today was health and well-being in veterinary environments and also in overall business environments. My strong invitation is to go back to Burns' four ideas. Let's see if I can get them right now. (laughs) I need to stand up and move as often as possible. Working meetings, park far away, take the stairs, whatever I can do to continue that movement. When I have a difficult issue, I walk. That's how I process. So instead of sitting and thinking, it's walking and thinking. So that's the first invitation. Fruits and vegetables, five servings a day. If I smoke, stop. I'd say for some of us with lots of caffeine, I should probably cut back. And I get to drink a a glass of wine a day. Beyond the basics of health and wellness, really thinking about how do we support ourselves and others as we go through these difficult times. It's not an indication that we're broken. It's an indication that we have the courage to pay attention. 
my example of the childhood incident, most of us have something. And by just offloading them, dumping them, processing through them, whatever we call it, we can be more present. And I'm not reacting to men in my life as if they're going to throw me down the hall. I'm reacting to them as who they are as, as individual human beings. And then the other is as we f- experience people who are really struggling, who, who may be considering suicide, getting them help, having the courage to have those very painful conversations. These are not easy conversations. It's a sign for us of care and courage and also having the resources. There's nothing worse than losing a friend or a family member that we need to step in and, and take action proactively. Uh, in addition to the four things that, that Byrne mentioned, I would just throw in and remind the uh, value uh, of a pet. <laughs> I think that uh, is something that people should consider. And then the other thing is about leadership. I think it's really important that the leaders in their organizations actually show vulnerability, let people know that they experience some of the same things that they are, and that helps to remove the stigma and normalize it so that they seek help when they need it. If leaders don't walk the talk, their employees aren't going to either. So they've got to walk the talk. They've got to role model healthy behaviors and support their folks to engage in them as well. Thank you. So my invitation to listeners as you walk away is, what one thing did you hear today that you can put into practice immediately to improve your health? And to Jen's point, what's the little micro step? The one thing that you can do immediately and put into practice. Thank you for joining us. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.